So based on our reading from the Gospel according to Matthew today, is John the Baptist someone you would want to invite to your Christmas party? You know, he'd show up in, a, in his camel skin robe. Instead of carrying a bottle of wine, he'd be carrying a jar of honey and a bowl of locusts. I imagine him to be one of those people who pound the table as he makes a point, shaking the silverware and the glassware on the table. Or he might be some, someone that, uh, or he might say something that would cause uh, all the laughing and good Christmas cheer to come suddenly silent. We might not want to hear what he has to say, but John the Baptist is with us once again with something important to tell us. So who was John the Baptist? He appears once or twice every Advent. In fact, we'll meet him again next, next Sunday. Uh, he also appears a time or two later in the liturgical year. All the Gospels mention him, include him in their narrative, and it is clear that he was the leader of his own movement and had disciples of his own. Some scholars suggest even that Jesus uh, was originally a disciple of John and that after John's arrest and execution, uh, that Jesus went out and struck out on his own with his own ministry. Uh, John is also mentioned in the classical era histories of that time period. Uh, the Jewish historian Josephus wrote about John near the end of the first century and implied that John was the popular voice of the people and depicted Josephus depicted him as a preacher who preached on the need for justice for neighbors and piety towards God. And in Matthew, John is likened to the Old Testament prophet Elijah, one of the prophets from a much earlier time in Israel's history, and it was who was said, Elijah was said, it was said that he would appear near the beginning of the new age. In his commentary on Matthew, I like what the uh, renowned preacher and professor Tom Long, how he describes John. He says, as the door to a new era swings open, John the Baptist is the ideal hinge. He is dressed like the old age, but he points to the new one. His preaching style is vintage old Israel, yet his message paves the way for the new Israel. He appears to have wandered out of some retirement home for old prophets, but he announces the arrival of one who is even greater than the prophets. And Matthew tells us in his story today that in those days John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. So John does not come from the precincts of the temple, the center of the Jewish religious life, but he comes from the outside, on the margins, from the wilderness. You know, he eats those locusts which the poorer people of the desert ate. He doesn't just make an appearance, he has something to say. It's a wake-up call to all who hear it. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And something in that message resonated with those who heard it. And maybe there was something charismatic and appealing about John, because the word spread about him, and people from all over Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around uh, the Jordan River were going out to him. And by my calculation, that area is 1,200 square miles. It includes the city of Jerusalem and its 20,000 inhabitants, and then the villagers and the farmers and the herders throughout the region. Something in John's message spoke to them. Hopefully something in John's message speaks to us today. But the folks then, they went out to the River Jordan, near where it empties into the Dead Sea, and they were baptized by him, confessing their sins. You know, they went down into the water. I don't expect someone like John the Baptist just sprinkled a few drops of water 
on their head like we do in our baptisms these days. I imagine that they got down in the water with him and with John's assistance, they were plunged underneath the water, fully immersed and brought back up and they were made ready and prepared for the age to come. And what John preached wasn't something soft or nuanced. It, was, it had a sharp edge. And in fact, he uses the image of a sharp-edged tool. He says, the axe is lying at the root of the tree. I baptize you with water for repentance. And if you think I am powerful, there is one more powerful than I who is coming after me. I am not worthy to even be his slave. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff, the chaff he will burn, burn with unquenchable fire. How's that for Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas from John the Baptist. But was John right about Jesus? John said of him, He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor. He will burn the chaff. Is that what Jesus' ministry was like? As far as I know, Jesus didn't baptize anyone with fire, water, or anything like that. Uh, Jesus' ministry aims to be more towards forgiving people, forgiving one's neighbor, going the extra mile, healing the body, healing the mind, healing the spirit. It appears less to be about picking up that winnowing fork and more about lifting people up out of the depths. Jesus is less of a divine judge and more of a lowly and humble servant. Later in the gospel, actually next Sunday's reading from the gospel, John will wonder if he was wrong, if he was wrong about Jesus. Hearing of all these things that Jesus says and does, John sends his disciples to ask Jesus if he is indeed the Messiah. Yeah, so what are we to make of this discrepancy between Jesus or John's description and Jesus' actual ministry? What purpose does John's message actually serve here? Well, one of the things Matthew's church, the church for which Matthew wrote his gospel, uh, they may have been struggling with, and of course we struggle with it to this day, is spiritual and moral complacency. And within Christianity, there's this tension between faith and works. You know, Matthew's church may have been taking faith for granted and thought that faith alone was sufficient for true righteousness. But they forgot about to do the good works that go along with faith. They needed to bear fruit worthy of repentance. In his message, John makes it clear that the new age is near. God is about to do something big. God is for the people to get ready, to repent, to reorient their lives around the kingdom of heaven. This big new thing. And it was a message for everyone. You know, even the Pharisees and the Sadducees go out to him. Pharisees and Sadducees do not represent all Jewish people of that time period. They are two different sects. S-E-C-T-S, sects of Judaism at that time. Uh, the Pharisees taught a strict interpretation of the law. And the Sadducees were aristocratic priests associated with the temple. And John makes it clear that they too fall under God's judgment as well, despite the pedigree that they presume to claim. And by calling for repentance, John calls for the reordering of their lives. He calls for the reordering of our lives. John isn't calling us to get ready for Jesus' appearance with some light spiritual and moral housekeeping, uh, vacuuming the floors and doing the dusting. Uh, we're talking about the kingdom of God, which has come near. The axe is lying at the fruit of the tree. He's not calling for a quick trip to Home Depot to get some paint for a little touch-up painting. You know, the project John is calling 
calling for is a complete complete renovation he's talking about knocking down walls tearing up tile installing new plumbing which for us means living lives of compassion mercy justice forgiveness to bear the fruit worthy of repentance and then beyond the personal level on another level john says prepare the way of the lord make his path straight this is the highway through the desert that god will use to go to his people. In Isaiah it says, every valley shall be lifted up and every hill will be made low and the uneven ground will become level and the rough places will be made plain and then the glory of God shall be revealed. Think what it takes to build a highway. There are heavy earth-moving machines, the material, the labor, it's work. In our lives and in our neighborhoods and cities, John, John is calling us to get to work, to make the highway for God and God's righteousness and justice. He calls us to reorder our priorities around God's glory so that that glory will be revealed wherever we may live. And this too is fruit worthy of repentance. So John's message is a wake-up call for all of us. It might not be one we really want to hear, but there it is. He makes it anyways. That's why he shows up every advent because we need to be reminded he's probably not one we would have over to dinner or invite to the christmas party there's no telling what he might say there's no telling what he might do but his message of repentance of reorienting our lives towards the kingdom of god which has already arrived is one we need to hear in order that we might do good works and that we too might bear fruit worthy of repentance amen